This podcast is brought to you by Glitterati Communications. Learn more about Glitterati at BeGlitterati.com. What's up? My name is Dwayne Jones. I'm an artist and a designer and the founder of a lifestyle brand called Art Pays Me. And this is the Art Pays Me podcast. I love talking to creative people about their business, their successes, their challenges, and how they make the world a better place with their work. Let's get into it. Welcome to a special series of Art Pays Me interviews with the winners of the 2022 Creative Nova Scotia Awards. These awards are presented by Arts Nova Scotia and the Creative Nova Scotia Leadership Council. They are presented annually to celebrate excellence in artistic achievement, notably the Portia White Prize. Winners of the Prix Grand Prix, the Established Artist, Emerging Artist, Indigenous Artist Recognition, and Black Artist Recognition Awards, as well as the Creative Community Impact Award are also honored. Collectively, the awards are worth $75,000. Visit artsns.ca for information on how you can nominate a Nova Scotia-based artist or apply for awards and grants for yourself. These episodes were co-produced by Heist and Kiki Beats. Let's get into my chat with Black Artist Recognition Award recipient, Tanya Samguan Paris. So who are you? What's your name? What are your pronouns? And where are you based? Uh, my name is Tanya Paris, or Samguan the Artist. Uh, she and her are my pronouns, and I'm based out of Halifax, Nova Scotia. Okay, and what's your artistic medium? Everything. <laughs> <laughs> Everything and anything. Um, if I can use it, I'll, I'll try to use it. Okay. Is there a specific story that you're trying to tell? Um, just our story. Um, we have yeah. so many stories in the black community um, that don't get told, uh, that don't leave around the kitchen table. So it's our story or other stories told through our eyes, I guess, mm. is, is a way to see it. Okay. Is there um, sort of a a common thread that you're you're finding in terms of uh, you know things that you see people are maybe not talking about uh, not necessarily I can only speak uh, through black indigenous eyes because I'm black indigenous so mm-hmm. um, I guess it's it's just seeing what my, what we don't have or mm-hmm. what we're not seeing or the faces of people that look like me um, not being in those places and you know this is 2022 uh, there shouldn't be any more first mm, yeah right yeah right so uh that said how does living in nova scotia impact how you create and the things that you come up with um believe it or not none oh. and i and i say that because i am who i am regardless of where i am And uh, growing up here in Nova Scotia at 19, I was the first black indigenous female police officer on the Halifax Police Department. Uh, I was one of the first black female uh, military police officers here in Halifax. Um, So I've done a lot of firsts. And um, so for me, it's just being me, just being naturally me. Mm -hmm. 
And you mentioned before we started recording that you had spent some time in the South and in the States. So, like, that being you, it, it did, uh, <laughs> how, what was that experience like for you? Um, believe it or not, it wasn't the same racism that we always read about or hear about in the Southern parts. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. Yeah. I'm just saying that I didn't get that. Um, and I lived there for quite a few years and people thought what I was doing was out of the norm because people say stay segregated. See, mm -hmm. that's the difference. They don't cross over. Mm -hmm. I had white friends. I'm from Nova Scotia, so I always grew up with white friends. So when I went to Texas, my first thought, I like this white girl. Why wouldn't I be friends with her? Yeah. They don't do that. Uh huh. It's an unspoken rule. Like we have unspoken rules in being Scotian. Mm -hmm. They have unspoken rules. So, but... I don't follow the rules very well, <laughs> so, uh, hence why I'm an artist, there are no rules. Um, but it, it was definitely an eye-opening experience um, and it allowed me to grow and really appreciate, you think Nova Scotia is really small and really small-minded, um, when you get to other parts of the world they're just small and small-minded. Sure, yeah, that, and that's an, me as someone who's traveled quite a bit too, like it's I think it's important to travel for that reason sometimes because yeah. you, you see the similarities, you see the differences for sure, yeah. but you do see a lot of overlapping things that we all think, oh, it's only because I'm this or because I'm that, but no, yeah. a lot of people deal with that same thing. Uh, so you talked about being a police officer early on in the military. At what point did you know you would be an artist or what, what kind of motivated you to switch from that to these things? <laughs> Um, I, I've always drawn, I've always, I've always been artistic. Okay. So I've always done anything artistic, uh, whether it was knitting, sewing, uh, doing doodles, yeah. different things like that. But I had a love for calligraphy. There was just something about being able to create those lines. I kind of see music in the lines as kind of like, so I look at art as almost like composing a symphony visually. Mm -hmm. So um, with calligraphy, you could kind of make your lines and... I still do that for my downtime, like when I'm just learning different techniques or how to hold uh, my brush to get a different look. Um, I, I take that into consideration. And believe it or not, I think my first love was Archie Comics. Oh, uh, I agree. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> and then wanting, <laughs> wanting to replicate that in black form because we didn't have yeah. a lot of black Archie characters. Yeah. Right? We got a few, like Josie and the Pussycats. I think one of them was black. Yeah. Um, and I think there was Clay. Uh, one of Archie's friends were black. So, but what about the other characters? And would they have acted different in their settings had they been black? So that's kind of where I started. Yeah. And, you know, and seeing things like Alice in Wonderland and Wizard of Oz. And, you know, we weren't, again, you're not seeing little girls that look like me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, we have those, we have these experiences. Like, we want to be princesses. We want to. So it, it was about giving another little girl or another little boy that looks like me that same experience as a counterpart would have. Mm -hmm. And seeing themselves, um, you know, in a different light. Like, you are beautiful and you are special and you do shine. Yeah. You know, because we're not all criminals. <laughs> Who'd have thunk it? You know? <laughs> funny you say that because I, I grew up watching Dragon Ball Z and all that kind of stuff 
And then I just recently had this thing on, oh, I want to do a black Goku. Like, what? Well, how come there's no black Saiyans? So I'm like... <laughs> exactly. And the reality is, is you had to have African heritage in order to be a Japanese samurai. So most of the people or images that they create would have had to have some black blood in order to have the powers that they have. Ah, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, is there a particular work that you're proud of? Could you tell me about that? Uh, probably, I don't know what you can see on camera, but... Uh, on my walls is uh, my la my last work, mm -hmm. which is uh, Ava in Wonderland, uh, my last solo art pieces in that way. Um, it's been something that's been, I want to say, anywhere from six to seven years in the making. Um, I thought about it, I saw it, and I was mm -hmm. determined to make it happen. Um, the reason that this is so proud of, I'm so proud of this is because it's not an art show. It's actually going to be a theater play. And I thought the best way to stir up um, people asking questions mm -hmm. was to introduce the characters mm -hmm. before the play ever sit, hits the stage. Yeah. Right? And so this is my introduction. And, and also for me, to be honest, um, I think I held back a little bit in a lot of my art. Okay. And losing my little brother kind of allowed me to... Um, open up on some other realms of myself personally yeah. that I might have not have been so ready and willing to open up with and I got this so mm -hmm. um, I allowed myself to just really show who I am and people keep saying oh they want to see well and I'm not finished yet yeah so why what is it about uh, you're losing your brother that made you realize how oh, I am holding back did you um, even recognize you were holding back? I didn't. <laughs> okay. um, I didn't recognize that I was holding back, but because of my training with the military, my training with the police, you're taught to camouflage a lot of who you are yeah. because you're meant to be the image that they make you to be, mm -hmm. right? And so I'm very, I don't want to say stoic, but I'm, I'm the oldest in my family, so I was the person, you know, you do this and you do that. And I had to be a certain way in order to make sure that my family was well and that in the, in the black community too, showing no signs of weakness mm -hmm. um, was important, you know, because if you did, um, people were gonna come for you. Yep. And losing my brother allowed me to realize that crying and hurting are not weak. It's mm -hmm. actually strong to be able to show those things about yourself and still not feel exposed. Mm. Um, whereas one time I would have felt crying about something would have would have taken a wall down and it would have exposed me yeah. a little bit more which meant I was more vulnerable whereas now um, it was a it was a source of healing so it actually made me stronger because it made me a better artist I remember from my favorite movie um, the five heartbeats mm -hmm. and um, there was one scene where he said they said that you never become an artist until you a true artist until you experience true pain Mm. And through pain comes art. And we used to laugh at that right? because his brother slept with his wife or something like that. But I get it now. Mm -hmm. Right? And it allowed me to view things very differently and with a different eye. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, and speaking of sort of that, getting to those roots, we talked about like this idea. I don't know if you feel comfortable talking about this, but sure. um, this idea of the paper bag test. Uh, whether you know and how you did these works on paper 
versus say like canvas or something else to reference that could you explain that for people who don't know what that is well in history we have seen beautiful black actresses like Dorothy Dandridge and Lena Horne but we didn't get to see people like Josephine Baker and there's a reason because she was darker mm -hmm. and she couldn't pass or not necessarily pass she wasn't a comfortable black mm -hmm. if that makes sense the lighter was the level of comfort um, because you look more like them and you weren't a threat mm -hmm. anybody darker than that you could see the physical appearances of being black uh, became a threat you could like these women went on stage through the back door yeah. people paid hundreds of dollars to go see them and they weren't even allowed to have a drink in the same bar that they were paid to perform in and so they did the things that they did to make us in the position we are today and so for this it's like paying a homage to them mm -hmm. you know what i mean like you set the the stage for us and we need to now take it from there yeah. right so it's like the ripple effect of throwing a, a rock into a lake and yeah. you get that ripple effect they threw the rock and were products of the ripples mm. it's funny you say that like my pops was a musician in bermuda and uh he used to perform in the hotels and same thing. You mm -hmm. would think like, you know, I'm not that old. Uh, and they had to go in through the back door. Exactly. It's like, we're, yep. <laughs> we're paid to perform, but we can't even come in the front door. Exactly. You can't sit down and eat yeah. in the restaurant or have a drink at the bar. Yeah. But they'll pay you to perform for those that can. Yeah. And the, the irony of it all, the right? Irony. So I wanted, I'm, I'm a very vocal person, but being vocal doesn't always get your point across um, a lot of times like anybody can you can shut out what people are saying to you you can shut down but visually when you're attracted to something um, it makes you listen because now you want to know the artist's story and why did they choose this and why mm -hmm. those colors and all of these things so it makes talking about uh, lateral violence and racism and sexism and all these other isms a little easier Mm -hmm. when you're doing it in front of a beautiful picture with a glass of wine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you catch more bees with honey. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so uh, could you give me an insight into your creative process, like what you surround yourself with? Um, I smudge before I do anything. Okay. Um, that's probably why you smell so much sage. Um, I smudge every day. Okay. And the reason being is because uh, my favorite happens to be white buffalo sage. I don't know what it is about the smell, but it, it calms everything about me. So if my mind is racing with a thousand thoughts of all the things I have to get done today, but I burn sage, it actually brings me down and say, okay, you know what? Focus, because this is what you need to do. This can wait. Mm -hmm. This is what needs to be done. And so before I start anything, um, I smudge first. Okay. And I don't draw from myself. I don't feel I draw from myself. I feel that I only paint what the ancestors put in my hands to paint okay and tell the stories that I'm meant to tell mm -hmm. I don't think that any of it is necessarily only my thoughts or only my ideas um, most of what you see are things that I've listened to the elders talk about or I've been privy to listening to my grandfather having conversations um, mm -hmm. things like that you know he was very he was a very proud black man and he passed he was 107 years old we weren't allowed to do this in his time Mm -hmm. Right. So for him to see his grandchildren doing all the things that he wasn't allowed to do, he would be super proud. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's and he always made it a point to let us know we were his legacy and how proud he was of us. So this is for 
the people that didn't have the voice. Uh-huh. Love it. You were telling us about your ribbon skirt. And uh, could you, yeah, explain the symbolism? Um, well, this one I did because I needed something fancy. <laughs> okay. And I was doing something, um, and I couldn't find what I was looking for. So I decided to make it. Um, but this represents uh, water, and these are my colors that I was given. So yeah. my name is Samguan, which means water in the Mi'kmaq language. So everything I do represents water. Uh, my beadwork is done from wampum shell, which is a seashell that is actually made into these little beads in order to do, and which is why they're so expensive because they're hand carved and, and cut. Uh -huh. um, and I have, and almost everything um, on my regalia uh, is usually from somebody else or from somewhere else. Okay. And the reason being is it's all traded. And, and I wanted that, um, the positive energy that comes from the people that I traded with to be able to dance for that energy when I am on the powwow grounds. So that's important to me. But this one here is probably one of my favorite, but I have about eight. Okay. <laughs> I have about eight ribbon skirts for different things. Uh, Every Child Matters. Um, uh, I have one for Black Lives Matter. Uh, um, the Medicine Wheel. Okay. And when I do my medicine wheel, um, and you'll see I use those colors a lot, uh, I usually put the red and the black together because it represents me, even though that's not traditionally how the medicine wheel is done. Um, because I'm an artist, I'm doing it through an artistic eye, not sure. a traditional eye. So when I do it, I always put the black and the red together because it represents who I am. Mm-hmm. Right? So usually when I see anybody that puts the black and red together, I know they took that from something I did because that's not normally how it's <laughs> ever done. And you'll never see it done like that unless you see it's on my T-shirts, uh, okay. a, a lot of different things like that. Uh-huh. Love it. So uh, if you had to think about some of your artistic aspirations going forward, what would that be? Um, I don't know. I paint what I feel. Mm. So some days I, I don't feel like painting. I, I'll sew a ribbon skirt and put kente cloth in it because that's what makes what I feel like. Mm -hmm. And that's because that's who I am. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a lot of different facets of who I am as a person. So art has allowed me to express all of those differently. Mm -hmm. You know, so whatever mood I'm in that day, I can produce art in that medium. And I cross over too. Mm -hmm. So I actually bead on canvas not just necessarily paint on canvas yeah. and things like that. Um, I would just say life experience and, and what we're seeing in, in, in our communities right now and, yeah. you know, watching, you know, we have good and bad in everything. And, you know, I tend to acknowledge the bad, but focus on the good. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Because we can't ignore it or it continues, but we also don't want to wallow in it because it stays, mm -hmm. you know? Um, we as a people have done so many positive things and whether it's from inventions to our artistic stuff, perseverance through everything we've been through, um, slavery is a part of who we are, but it's not who we are. Mm -hmm. It's a part of who we are. Yeah. So I try to find the silver lining with everything negative mm -hmm. um, because I don't want to be bitter. Um, mm -hmm. I don't like that stereotype of the angry black woman. So. Mm -hmm. I am angry, just so you said. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I don't, I don't want that that image. We we have stereotypes that of our black men and women that are so 
untrue, mm -hmm. you know, um, and that we don't care about what happens in our community and that we're okay with all this, the violence and things, and we're not. Mm -hmm. We're not okay. We're not all right. We just don't get heard yeah. when we say something about it or there's backlash if we say something about it. Um, and I'm not afraid, so I don't mind being that voice. I have big shoulders. Mm -hmm. No, I agree with you. Like wallowing in the negativity is not really healthy. We need hope. And if we don't have hope for a future, then that leads to more negativity. And mental health issues. Mental health issues. You know, yeah. we hold it in. And what do you do then? Yeah. You know what I mean? Violence. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's natural human instinct. Yeah. So. So you've um, been participating in a residency, residency at NASCAD. Do you have any goals to do any more residencies? And how has that experience actually been for you? Um, love Dr. Charmaine Nelson. I'll start with that. Okay. Um, I think she's a great source of information. She's extremely beautiful as an individual. And she has a lot to offer. Uh-huh. Um, the team that I was I was lucky enough to work with was fantastic. They all brought what they brought to the table, mm -hmm. um, and I wasn't disappointed in my residency at all. Mm -hmm. I found that I was given enough time to do what was asked of me. Um, the team was supportive. We kind of all and we still speak to each other. Mm -hmm. So I think it created a really cool bond between us because one of the residents, Jason, he's like over in the UK. Mm. So it opens up doors, you know, to have somebody already there. Nice. And then we have Bruno who's in Toronto, but his work is based out of Brazil. Mm. So, you know, it's, it opens up other doors. Um, and I think we need that because for years, um, our stories and our lives weren't social media. So we didn't know the similarities and the crossovers and the things that were the same. We only did that if someone happened to come from Brazil here. Oh, and, and they told the story, but then how many people were able to hear it, right? Yeah. Social media allows it on a larger scale. So I think that uh, the pride of individ individual blackism, I guess is the, is the way to say it, mm -hmm. um, is great. Mm -hmm. And, and we, we're intertwining and mixing cultures and that's extremely important. Mm -hmm. So how do you feel about, I don't know if you, you're familiar with this term, but the diaspora wars or diaspora wars? Um, I probably feel like everybody else. Uh, <laughs> just the fact that we know colonialism played a part, colonization played a part, uh, the transatlantic slave trade played a part, mm -hmm. and we were stripped of what we would have gotten as our authentic culture. But what happens then is we're resilient, so we created a culture within a culture. And even though there were a lot of different people from a lot of different places, we created a black culture right here in North America. Yeah. And that was based on the dysphoria that we here in North America went through. It doesn't mean that anybody else's dysphoria was less or meant less. Mm -hmm. It's just that there's specific things that happen, mm -hmm. um, even within the different countries on the continent of Africa. Because a lot of people seem to talk about Africa like it's a country, not a continent. Yeah. But um, even within the different countries in, in Africa, different countries went through different dysphorias. Yeah. But yet all the people are hungry or all the people are in pain. It doesn't mean one was more or less. Mm -hmm. So based on what we've gone through here is a certain dysphoria. But again, um, our people had still went through things like Black Wall Street, though. So was the dysphoria as heavy as it was written by someone that didn't look like us? Mm hmm or was it written that way to make us feel that it was more than what it was? Mm -hmm. Because Black Wall Street, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Durham, North Carolina, that was 1929, 1921. Mm -hmm. So if slavery was abolished in 1865, 
really? Mm -hmm. The timelines don't match up. Yeah. Right? And the black dollar went hand over fist in Black Wall Street 15 times before mm -hmm. it left the black community. And that's what you're starting to see now, mm -hmm. if you notice. It's black business supporting black business supporting black business supporting black families before the dollar has to leave. Mm -hmm. And that's where the fear is. We're the baseline of everybody's business in the world, mm -hmm. period. Mm -hmm. Between our cosmetics, our clothes, we set trends. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to, are their hair like ours? Everybody, and they say, no, this one did it first and that one. No, no. We all know. No. Even the hip hop industry. Mm -hmm. We have people that are indigenous that are rapping, but then don't want to acknowledge the fact that hip hop is black. Mm. Right? You have, you know, Latinos that don't want to acknowledge, yeah, it was Latino and black, but it was based out of a dysphoria of black and Latino people. Mm -hmm. And most of them were Afro Latino. Mm -hmm. But they don't acknowledge that stuff. So mm -hmm. it's, I think, because we found our voices and, you know, I'm sarcastic, so I don't want to say what I would normally say, but because we found our voices yeah. and we're comfortable within our talents, you're going to see a lot more of it. And the difference is social media plays a larger part in making Black Wall Street worldwide yeah. versus Tosa or Durham. Mm -hmm. Right? Because you have people that are importing goods from Africa that never even knew those things existed. Yeah. Right? I just ordered a purse, a beaded purse from a young lady in Ghana mm -hmm. because I fell in love with it on Instagram and I inboxed her and I was like, you sell these? And she's like, yeah, well, give me one. I have a platform too. You know what I mean? So yeah. you give me your purse, people are going to love it too. And I'm going to send them right back to you. Yeah. And so we need more of that. We need more of that support. I will say that as much as I could say, Nova Scotia hasn't shown as much support as it should. In the last two years, they've shown a way more than they've ever shown before mm -hmm. for black indigenous artists. I will give them that. Mm -hmm. We still have a long way to go, but they have shown a lot more mm -hmm. support than they have in the past. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because, uh, I mean, I, I have seen personally a change, uh, not only in the acceptance of some of the more pro-black things that I work on, Mm -hmm. Because there used to be a lot of anger for those that exactly. doesn't exist anymore. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but, you know, there is some resurgence of some of that negativity. But, yeah, I was going to ask you how overall you felt um, the change since 2020. Well, I don't think they you. have a choice. Uh, I think that's no, the difference, right? No We're not choice. giving them a choice. Yeah. And I always say um, to anyone, uh, we are not our grandparents, <laughs> right? That's, I mean, that's the easiest way to describe it. We're not our grandparents. So understand that if you don't want to give us respect, we'll take it. We'll take it through showing you talent. We'll mm. take it through showing you our intellect. We'll take it, you know what I mean? But we're going to gain it regardless of whether you voluntarily give it to us or you have no choice because you're going to look at the person and be like, man, I got no choice. But to, you know, you got to give respect where respect is due. And, you know, we, we have more educators. We have especially being seen in the forefront. We have more people that are leaving our communities, getting educated and bringing it back to the communities mm -hmm. than we ever have. Most people used to, you know, leave the community and never come back or just come home to visit, but they never brought anything of substance back with them. Yeah. You know what I mean? They would come back and tell you about all their gallivanting and everything that they got. But then what are you doing to bring the community into the 21st century? Mm -hmm. Like, what are we doing to build up our black communities? Um, there's generational wealth in the white community regularly it mm -hmm. goes passed down passed down we have the ability we have the smarts we have the intellect we have the land we have the resources so why is there no generational wealth mm -hmm. 
in the same capacity. In the same capacity, yeah. Right? And it's because we weren't taught that. Right? Mm -hmm. We were taught to live paycheck to paycheck. Most black families, we weren't, we didn't even try to get credit because you couldn't, you know what I mean? You walk yeah. into the bank, oh, I'm trying to get it. It wasn't happening. It took, look how long it took North Preston people to get their deeds to their land that they lived on for hundreds of years. How mm -hmm. could it take hundreds of years for you to give deeds to these families? Yeah. Unless the intent was to set to them up never. to fail. Yeah. Right? So, but people are getting smart and our kids are leaving, getting educated and coming back and teaching the older generation this is what should have been said. This is what should have been done. And because it's their kids, they're listening. Mm -hmm. So they're giving their kids the forefront. Okay, well, you do this. Yeah. You make sure this is done. Right? And they're realizing that they set the president. And, you know, I always say they drummed the drum and we heard the call. It took us a little longer to hear it in some, some communities than others. Yeah. Um, it was harder to hear it in some communities than others. But we've heard it. Mm-hmm. Right. So so we are doing things to make a difference and we are doing things to make changes and uh, being the first in a lot of things that normally weren't open to us. Yeah. You know, then um, they they said it for us. They're the ones that made us who we are. Dope. That's it. Thanks for listening to this special episode of Art Pays Me. Just a little reminder, visit artsns.ca to nominate a Nova Scotia based artist and make sure you apply for a little something something for yourself. And another shout out to the wonderful people at Heist and Kiki Beats for making these interviews possible. Thank you for listening to Art Pays Me. Thank you to Langy Beats for the theme music. You can find more of his music on YouTube. If you got anything out of this, please rate, review, or leave a comment on whatever platform you're listening. You can find out more about Art Pays Me at artpaysme.com or you can hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Clubhouse. I'm at Art Pays Me on all of those platforms. With that, we're out. Peace.